Good morning. How y'all doing this morning? Did it rain on y'all early this morning? Rained on a trailer. It rained on me because I had to take dogs outside this morning. The problem with my dogs is they love rain. So they don't get in any hurry when they're out there. But, um, hey, it's a good day, though. We woke up breathing, so God's got something for us. And so I'm excited about today. Today we're going to wrap up our series on the armor, and we're going to be back in Ephesians 6. So if you have your Bibles, we'll be in Ephesians 6 again. Then we're going to go to Ephesians 2 and Hebrews 4. Ephesians 6, Ephesians 2, and Hebrews 4. I know some of y'all was worried about me this morning because I can't tell you how many text messages I got this weekend, but I found another place to buy Diet Cokes and I found another biscuit on Sunday morning. And so it's all good. I've had my biscuit, so it's a good day. I didn't have to wake Tammy up at four o'clock to cook for me because I'd still be starving. But, um, but it's going to be a good morning. So um, Ephesians 6, let us get started. We'll start in verse 10. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may stand your ground And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Father, we come to you this morning, Father, we just ask that as we wrap this up, Father, we just wrap up strong, Father, knowing that you want to take care of us from head to toe. Father, and you want to prepare us to do what you've called us to do. So, Father, we love you. Father, and I just thank you for today. And, Father, I just thank you for this opportunity we have. In the name I pray. Amen. You know, this morning, whenever you start looking as we wrapping up, you know, and the first thing I want to look at is the helmet of salvation. And it says, take the helmet of salvation. You know, and, you know, again, I got the stuff that I borrowed from um, the sheriff's office. And, you know, this helmet, I don't think that'd do an awful lot of good, but that's what they give them. But um, on my big head, that wouldn't protect an awful lot. I'd have to go back and get a 3X on this one, too. But you know what? The helmet is important. You know, whenever you start looking at at all of this armor, you know, everything's important because we're going into war. You know, and even like with the words just we just read right there, but it's not a typical war. You know, it's a spiritual war, you know, and Satan's after us. He wants to destroy us and he wants to start right here in the church. He wants to start in our families. So we have to be ready for that. And so, you know, whenever he tells us to put on this to put on the helmet of salvation, you know, he's being real specific right there because we need to protect our minds. You know, we've been protecting everything else, but we need to protect our mind. You know, whenever that back, whenever the apostle Paul was writing this, and when you would look at going into battles with the Roman soldiers and stuff like that, they would protect their heads because whenever they was coming after you, that's where they was going to try to hit first to try to take you out. And so God right here is saying, look, we need to protect your head. We need to protect your mind. And um, see, because, you know, our heart changes 
But our mind controls things and we need to protect our mind so that we can um, make those changes because, you know, there's a difference um, whenever you start looking at it in repentance. You know, repentance is more than just regretting that we've sinned or that we got caught. It's more than self-pity. It is when we change our mind about our sin and desire a change of life. So we need to start in our mind and we need to desire that change because every day we ought to be trying to grow closer to God. Every day we ought to be striving because none of us has arrived. And so we need to be working on that every day. And so how do we do that? We need to protect our mind. In 2 Peter 3.18, it says, But grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and forever. And I love how it says, it says, and in knowledge. You know, we need to be growing in knowledge. You know, you, a lot of us are, a lot of us in here is out of school. You know, Tanner's not. But a lot of us are out of school and we kind of think once we've graduated, hey, that's it. But we have to keep growing every day. And, you know, whenever right here when it says to grow in knowledge, and then in Romans 12 too, it says do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. You know, and in that verse again, it goes back. It says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Our mind's important, and that's why God tells us that we're to protect it. You know, whenever you go back and you really look at the time when this scripture was written and you look at the helmets that the Roman soldiers wore, there was two purposes. One was for protection. The other purpose of that helmet for the Roman soldiers was kind of, um, I guess it would, it would show where they was at rank-wise and, and life and things like that. Their helmets was beautiful. You know, they was, you know, brass and, or silver, and they was decorated. Some of them would have these big feathers on them and stuff. So whenever you saw the Roman soldiers walking through, or you saw the Roman soldiers riding through your village or your town, you knew that they was important. You knew what rank they held and all that by their helmet. And I believe, you know, whenever you start looking at this, something else that we need to be telling the world is that they ought to buy our mind by the helmet that we have protecting our mind. We ought to be telling our beautiful story. Because if you're in here today, if you're a believer, you have a story. You know, if you've prayed and if you've accepted Christ, you have a story. All of our stories are different. And that's what makes us unique. But that's also what helps us take the word to the world. It's because people ought to be able to tell who we are and they ought to be able to see what we are and they ought to be able to see what we believe by how we carry ourselves. And that can be scary at times, can't it? Can't it be scary sometimes how we act and react in situations? Sometimes, you know, some of the the people that we hang around are people really going to see God in us. But whenever you start looking at this helmet, you know, what if we looked at that helmet like that? One is to protect our mind because he tells us that we ought to be renewing our mind and we ought to be growing in knowledge. But then what if we look at our helmet as that that we're taking um, salvation to everybody else too? Because what's he tell us? He says to go to make disciples and to teach and to baptize. You know, Wednesday, I think it was Wednesday, I had an opportunity and it was, and I love, I love a lot of things in life, but I love to be able to sit knee to knee with somebody and share the gospel. You know, when last Sunday morning we had the opportunity in 1030 service, we baptized a husband and a wife. We baptized Murphy and, and Cheryl Woodruff. Well, she contacted me. She said, Hey, my 13 year old daughter wants to talk to you more about salvation and stuff. 
Well, I was all in. Let's go one o'clock in the morning. It don't matter, you know, because it's important to me at that point when I know somebody wants to talk about salvation. So Wednesday afternoon, we got together in my office and, you know, and we were sitting there and, and I asked a lot of questions because I never want to mislead or I don't want to, for a child or a young teenager to misunderstand something. So I'll ask a thousand questions. I'll ask them if they know what sin is. And then I'll really dig deep to make sure they really understand what sin is and to understand what salvation is and understand baptism. And as we talked, it was just a really, you know, she's 13 years old and it was just a really sweet time to hear her answers and stuff like that. But then when we come over here, and she was nervous about baptism. She was nervous about walking in front of people. And we got in here, and I, the baptistry was empty. And I walked her down into the empty baptistry, and I said, look, this is where we're going to be. And, you know, the lights are going to be on, so you really can't see out there real good and all this. And I said, so when you want to do it? She said, now, let's do it. Let's do it Sunday morning. Let's do it at 1030. Let's get this over with. And that's how we ought to get excited like that, because she was excited. At that point, she sold into the whole concept of all of it. And so when we start looking at this, and we ought to get excited whenever we're doing it, but what do we do? You know, we're, we're a people, um, we multitask. We can be on our phone, and we can be talking on another phone, and staring at a computer screen all at the same time. You know, and, a lot, and I'll tell you, I'm a pretty good multitasker. I can do lots of things at one time. But the reality is you can't truly multitask. One thing is going to rise to importance and everything else is going to be under it. Sure, you're doing lots of things at one time, but only one's going to be the most important of what you're doing right then, whether you realize it or not. And I believe in life, we do that. I believe in life that a lot of times we'll do that with our, with our Christian walk. We'll, we'll do what we do want to do here, whether it's work or hobbies or family. None of those things are bad, but we'll do those things and we'll do small doses of those things and we'll do a small dose of Jesus over here. And we think that when we combine those two that we're living right, we're doing the right things. But what happens is one of these is going to win out. One of them is going to be a little bit stronger than the other. And so what's winning in our life? You know, if we call it multitasking, are we doing just these small doses so that we feel good about ourselves? Are we really giving God what he's telling us that we ought to be giving him? Because what's he tell us to love him with all our heart, all our soul, all our strength, all our mind. And that verse is real clear in Luke 10. He tells us, I want you to love me with everything you got. And how do we do that? Every day we're renewing our mind. Every day we're trying to grow in knowledge. So we need to be protecting what's right here. So that as we change here, then our heart grows fonder and our heart grows closer and we get more excited about it. So then we can put on this full armor and we can do what he's called us to do. But what happens? There's a lot of us that are riding the fence. And I'm just going to get honest. We either need to get on the fence or off the fence. We need to be in the game or out of the game. We can't do both. Because what we're doing, and I hate this word. Do you hear me? I'm saying it. I hate this word. Because people look at us and say, well, they're a hypocrite. They're no different than me. They say they're a believer. They say they go to church. But their life is no different than my life. And that's what the world sees. But if we're renewing our mind and if we're changing and if we're growing closer to him every day, that's not what they're going to see. Are we perfect people? Absolutely not. Number one failure right here. But every day I try to get better. And that's what we need to do. We need to quit riding the fence. 
our story is the most beautiful thing that we have, you know. And when it goes into the next part of that, you know, it says, take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, this is as close as I could get to a sword. This was Mr. Kenneth McMorris's um, billy club. I've always wanted to be able to throw one of these things and knock somebody down. Have you ever wanted to do that before? If Mike was here this morning, I'd make him run. But he got lucky and he went up north. But you know what? What's our sword? What's our sword in today's world? Right here. Right here. You know, and it tells us, it says the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is our sword. This is what we use. But you know what? That sword, um, that sword will kind of get us too. Go with me over to um, Hebrews. Hebrews 4. We're going to read in verse 12. Hebrews 4, verse 12. It says, For the word of the God, for the word of God is alive and active. I love that. Hear that again. The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and the spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before, before the eyes of him. To him we must give account. You know, do you hear that? You know, so not only is this word, not only is this sword right here to protect us, but it's also to dissect us. Think about that. You know, whenever you really start looking, you know, in 2 Timothy, you don't have to turn here. I'm going to read two or three real quick. 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. In Matthew 4.4, 4, it says, Jesus answered, It is written that man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And in Psalms 119.9, it says, How can a young person stay on a path of purity by living according to your word? So whenever you start looking, you know, this book right here, all of these other things that he's given us in the armor is defensive things, offensive. This is our offensive move on the world. This is our offensive move on Satan. And so whenever you start looking, you know, because we've renewed our mind, we've changed our mind, we're starting to grow in him, and we understand, you know, think about this in Matthew 4, 4. It says, but on every word, every word, every word in here, there's some of these words in here that I don't like. There's some of these words in here that'll tear me up. But he tells us that this is what we're to hang on. Have you ever listened to those conversations? There's sometimes there's a song where you feel like you're literally on the edge of your seat. You get so caught up in the moment. Do we do that with God's word? Because he's telling us this is what we're to live on. This is what we're to strive on. This is what we're to do. You know, and then whenever you start looking at it, but it's going to change us. I was reading and I thought this was interesting. To better understand the human body in 1994, researchers made available a new computer tool. Now, this is in 1994, so you can imagine what that was. But made a new computer tool called the Visible Man. The visible man consisted of 2,000 computer images. To produce the images, scientists at the University of Colorado Health and Sciences Center 
took a man's body that had been willed to science and took CAT scans, x-rays, and MRIs of it. Then they embedded the whole body with a gelatin and they froze it. Then they sliced it crosswise, one millimeter thick slices. Can you imagine? I can't even how thick one millimeter is. Over 1,800 slices. Then they digitally photographed each section. Then medical students could look at the visible man and they could call up any angle, call up any image of a cross section they desired, rotate the image, and then put them back together again. So they did this so that they could learn. But what we need to understand is even that's a picture because what the visible man does for the body, this is what the Word of God does for our soul. Think about it because God pictures the inner person. He don't care what Johnny looks like out here. He cares what's in here. And so God's pictures the inner person, our motives, our priorities, our thoughts, our sins. God's word scrutinizes our character. God's word reveals to us who we are and what we are in our relationship to God because there's no one that can hide from God. And God's word reveals our level of obedience. Let that sink in. So this sword that he gives us to protect ourselves, this sword that he gives us to defend ourselves is also the same sword that will dissect us and let him understand just how obedient we are to him. Now, I'm all about obedience. Not from my family. I lost that battle. But, you know, y'all hear me talk about my dogs and my dog ministry. I demand obedience from my dogs. And that's what, when I go do presentations, that's what people see. And their level of obedience is the level that I use them in presentations. Well, our level of obedience to God is the level that he's going to use us in life. Because when we're sold out and we're not walking that fence and we're not just taking a small dose of him and a small dose of the world, but when we've given him everything, when we've given him all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength, all of our mind, and we have that level of obedience that's up here, then he's going to change the world. Because that helmet that we have of salvation, that helmet that we have, that's that beautiful story that we have, it's going to be innocent. We can't contain it. We're going to be wanting to tell everybody about him. So when you start looking at how we clothe ourselves every morning, when we start putting on that armor, we start putting on that belt of truth. We start putting on that breastplate of righteousness. We start putting on the boots, you know, of peace. When we take up our shield, to fight off those eras of temptation. We put on our helmet and then we take our sword, his word, then we're ready for battle. And he tells us, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'm going to be there with you. And we'll say things to people that we didn't even know that we had in us because he's going to use us. But we have to be willing as much as we want to fall in love with this and as much as we want this word to sound pretty and make us feel good, we have to be willing to be dissected by it also. There's times that I start reading this and I just get mad. And I say, surely, God, you don't mean that about me. Surely you don't mean that about me. Surely I don't need to throw this out of my life. But if I want to love him with everything, then I have to love him with everything. Father, we come to you this morning, Lord, just to say that we love you. Father, and I thank you for today. Father, I thank you for your word. Father, I thank you for how clear it is, Father, on what we should do and how we should live. Father, you tell us how you want to clothe us. Father, you want to protect every part of our body, every part of our soul, every part of our mind.
Father, but we have to do our part. Father, and there might be somebody in here this morning, Father, that's never asked you to become their Lord and Savior. Father, they've never asked you to forgive them of their sins. Father, and they need to take that step today. Father, there might be somebody sitting in here this morning, Father, that's never followed through and been obedience in baptism. Father, they need to make live oak their home. But Father, today, let us be obedient. Father, let us step up our level of obedience to you. Father, we love you. Father, we love you. In the Son's name I pray. Amen. I'm asking you to stand with me, and I'll be down here. And if you need prayer, if you need to, to do something that God's calling you,